Attention Patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chrisanne Hall Daily Journal. Chrisanne Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. So glad to have you with us here on the Daily Journal, where we endeavor to bring to you the current events from a constitutional, excuse me, and a per, and a uh, principled perspective uh, behind the wheel. Uh, driving the submarine, we have JC here with us today. Give us a shout out, JC. I know you. Hello. So they don't think I'm lying to you. <laughs> so there's some things that are going on that I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you about uh, Nancy Pelosi and the crew go into Jordan and the Logan Act, and I also want to talk to you. I mean, we've been talking about treaties quite a bit, so we'll just mix that into the treaty thing. And I also want to talk to you about the First Amendment. Uh, because there's there's some issues going on today, some controversy about the First Amendment, especially about freedom of press. And uh, believe it or not, Judge Janine has inspired me to do this show on the First Amendment. So the first thing that I want to do today is I want to talk to you about the Logan Act. Now, the Logan Act um, is an act that says any citizen of the United States, wherever he may be, who without authority of the United States directly or indirectly commences or carries on any correspondence or intercourse with any foreign government or any officer uh, or agent thereof with the intent to influence the measures or conduct of any foreign government or of any officer or agent thereof in relation to any disputes or controversies with the United States or to defeat the measures of the United States shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. Now this was put into effect actually in 1799 and basically what this says is if you aren't the president and you aren't a member of the Senate then guess what? you need to be staying out of foreign affairs. Because remember, uh, the treaties, treaties are powers that are, uh, treaties of power that is reserved, delegated to the president and the Senate. So the, the office of the president negotiates treaties and then the Senate ratifies treaties. Now here's the crazy thing, because in 1974 there was a congressional act passed that put the Congress involved, the entire Congress, the House of Representatives involved in a quasi 
treaty uh, function. So when you hear things about the president made an agreement on this or the president made agreement on that, what they're talking about is that 1974 act that quote unquote authorized executive agreements. Now I, I don't want to seem condescending and I don't want to you know be too basic here, but I just want to point out that the Constitution doesn't mention anything about executive agreements. And as a matter of fact, the founders of our, the drafters of our Constitution, the founders of our Constitutional Republic, spent long and hard discussions on how do we keep the president from becoming a king over time. And one of these things that they were really, really concerned about was foreign affairs. Because if the president is not limited, is not fettered in his authority with foreign affairs, then he will functionally be a king. That's why treaties are left not just to the president, but cannot be treaties unless they are actually ratified by the Senate. Now, when we went over the treaties in a, a couple episodes ago, or if you're watching Constitutional America on the Oath Keepers channel, I don't know, do we have a slide on that one now, JC? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's pull up the Oath Keeper channel slide so everybody can see what that one is. And uh, uh, so on the Oath Keepers channel on Roku, Google, uh, Google TV, Apple TV, Firestick TV. We have the show Constitutional America, and we're going to be doing an episode this coming weekend on treaties. And this episode on treaties will walk you through it and help you see that. Um, yeah, there we are. If you're watching us on, remember, if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and click the bell. That way, you'll be noticed when we go live. Because I know it's. We don't go live at a regular time because our schedule is so crazy. So if you click the bell to get noticed, you will be noticed every time we go live on YouTube. And then if you don't can't watch us live, then you know to come back and check us later. So anyway, we're going to be talking about treaties on Constitutional America on the Oathkeeper channel this weekend. But you'll see that the president does not have the unilateral authority to make treaties. And you'll hear from the founders themselves that this power was not to be rested in the hands of the president alone. And so understanding not just simply the words of the Constitution, but understanding the intent of the founders themselves, okay? We must know that the Constitution does not even entertain an ability for the president of the United States to make an agreement, okay? So let's just get this this whole thing out of there. This is relevant to what we're talking about today because remember Congress made an act that said that the president can make um, can make executive agreements and part of that act says in order for an executive agreement to be ratified it has to go through a vote of the House and the Senate. Well there is no authority for this. This is a completely unconstitutional act and you already know through Article 6 uh, clause, uh, section two, section two, clause two, article six, clause two, otherwise known as the supremacy clause, that any act made outside the Constitution is null and void. So all these executive e agreements, even though they were passed by congressional act, are null and void. Con Congress as a whole does not have an authority over treaties, only the Senate. 
And so you're also going to learn the two rules that are necessary for a treaty. Rule number one, the uh, Constitution, uh, the treaty must be ratified by the Senate. And our, our rule number one is the treaty cannot enforce laws on the people. Rule number two, it must be in compliance with the Constitution. These executive agreements are not. But they call it a fast-track treaty. JC, can you wrap your brain around how something that can be negotiated by the president and then ratified by the Senate is somehow a slower process than something that's negotiated by the president and then voted by the House and the Senate? No. Well, they call that the fast track, so I don't know what that fast. means. I know, it doesn't, but they Sound call like that the fast track. track. I don't know, maybe it's a... Maybe maybe because it's harder to just have the Senate approve something than to have the House share the, the blame for it. You know, if the House votes it through, then the Senate lets it go through. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. They call it the fast track. But either way, it's unconstitutional. And so here we have now Nancy Pelosi and her crew headed over to Jordan to, you know, to have foreign relations talks. Well, the Logan Act that I mentioned before that was passed in uh, 1799 uh, that makes it unlawful for anybody who is not involved in treaties to negotiate with foreign, uh, uh, with foreign leaders. I guess that would make Dennis Rodman violator of the Logan Act. What do you think, JC? When he um, went over and talked to Rocket Man? Well, I... He was talking I, to him about... negotiating on behalf of the United States or a treaty or... Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I mean, this says, uh, any citizen of the United States, wherever he may be, who without authority of the United States directly or indirectly commences or carries on any correspondence or intercourse with any foreign government or any officer or agent thereof with the intent to influence the measures or conduct of any foreign government or of any officer or agent thereof in relation to any disputes or controversies within the United States or to defeat the measures of the United States shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. Well, according to Mr. Rodman, he was talking about basketball and goodwill. I mean, it wasn't about any particular... Whatever well, that, however that's phrased. Yeah, he's definitely safer than Nancy Pelosi and her yeah. crew because they're definitely going to, I think Nancy Pelosi is not only going over there to, uh, you know, as, as the late Logan Act says, to uh, influence the measures or conduct of a foreign government or officer or agent in relation to a dispute or controversy because they flat out said, we're going over there to talk about Syria. Yeah, and, and the ceasefire. And the ceasefire agreement. Which also falls under the second at part of it to defeat the measures of the United States. Mm -hmm. Well, sorry, Nancy Pelosi, your House of Representatives shirked their accountability and, and abdicated your authority in declaring war through the Wars Powers Act. So now when when the president is pulling troops out, that's under congressional authority. They can't dispute that now, right. right? They gave him that authority. Now, we're not going to get into the, uh, the discussion on how the War Powers Act is unconstitutional because that's not the issue here. 
The issue is, is that Nancy Pelosi is trying to undermine what the United States is attempting to do through the office of the president. This is a violation of the Logan Act. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the, the other side of the argument, JC. People come in and say, well, um, the Logan Act doesn't apply to Congress because of the Commerce Clause. Have you heard that one? I saw that. You yeah. saw that because of the Commerce Clause. But once again... We are falling prey to the to the the errant application of the commerce clause. How does this involve commerce? Well, because Is the subject matter commerce. I thought it was a ceasefire in the war. Well, in this case, it doesn't uh, involve commerce, but that's what they say. The Logan Act doesn't apply to Congress when they're negotiating with foreign governments because of the commerce clause. But when we get back from the break, I'm going to tell you specifically the argument as to why this particular incident Nancy Pelosi and her crew says doesn't apply to us. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Hey, don't forget to sign up for LibertyFirstUniversity.com. I'm so excited. We've had a good number of, of I, I believe, giftings of people buying Liberty First University subscriptions for other people. Remember, this is gift giving. This is the, the gift that keeps on giving the best one that you can get that, that secures liberty for our future. So, in... Um, the Logan Act is named for a Philadelphia doctor named George Logan who traveled to Paris in 1798 at a time of heightened tension between the United States and the revolutionary government of France. Logan's mission was arguably a success. France lifted its embargo against the United States and releasing American ships and sailors. However, former President George Washington and then President John Adams and members of the Federalist Party who were hostile to France condemned Dr. Logan upon his return. And so that is the birth of the Logan's Act. Adams signed it into law January of 1799. And what we have now, whoo, look at that background, JC. <laughs> Just look up, you're watching us on, on uh, YouTube. JC's got some really psychedelic stuff going on back there. <laughs> it's fireflies. Fireflies. Is that what they call it? No. No, okay. That's what you call it. All right, so what we got is Nancy Pelosi and the house crew uh, going over to Jordan to discuss, in their own words, the ceasefire in Syria and to talk about this foreign relation. Well, this is clearly by the terms of the account, the Logan, a violation of the Logan Act, because this would be a matter, uh, by the way, JC, a ceasefire would be a treaty. I mean, I, I was trying to think, and it, it occurred to me during the break, this ceasefire wouldn't even fall under the War Powers Act. A ceasefire would be a treaty. It would be a peace treaty. It would be a ceasefire treaty, and it would be something that would be negotiated by the president and ratified by the Senate. Well, it's technically a negotiate. It's a treaty negotiated for other parties. Mm -hmm. Like it's not 
we're, we're not attacking or not attacking somebody. It was a peace between uh, the Kurds and, uh, and the mm -hmm. Turkish forces. Right. So, I mean, am I, tell me if I understand this correctly, isn't, isn't that a, uh, an enumerated power of the executive branch? I mean, they do that through the State Department. That's done through the executive branch. Yes. Does, does Congress, I mean, as I understand it, tell me if I'm wrong here, Congress has the power over, over legislation. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't understand that the legislative branch is involved in foreign negotiation and, and that sort of thing. I okay, thought that was restricted the, to the executive branch. Okay, but only the Senate. Only to the extent that they approve, they approve a what's treaty. negotiated. Right, exactly. But the executive branch, uh, according to Article 2, is authorized the power to negotiate treaties. Now, let's be really clear here because I think maybe this is where, where some confusion comes in. The only thing that's authorized is treaties. There's not agreements authorized. There's not negotiations authorized. Just treaties. Now, the negotiations are what bring us to treaties. Right. And, but and, a negotiation by itself is not a powerful thing that is that is imposed on the people. Do you see what I mean? The negotiation is just sure. a conversation. And the negotiation is what you do uh, when you try to draw up a contract. The contract doesn't become legal until it's ratified. And it is not ratified by the president. It's not ratified by the negotiator. It's ratified by the Senate. But if we, but if we look at, and, and as, as I've heard you teach, you know, around this subject, on this subject over the years, if we look at the conversations the founders had and their intent and, and, and what they said behind these things, mm -hmm. they wanted a singular voice. So right. negotiation is implied in treaties. you got to do that to get to that point. Right. Right. And as I look back and listen to what you said and read the, read the founders' writings, they, I, I, don't, I, I don't really remember gleaning that they wanted the Senate and the House and the judiciary, and whoever in whatever part of the government carrying out negotiations, that was pretty much intended for the executive. Yeah, well, it's intended for the executive because negotiations are supposed to be simplified to the best of the ability. You know, if you yeah, think you can't about have it... five different voices. Exactly. Well, it's the whole reason we made the Union of States and a president to make those negotiations. So we wouldn't have 50 different countries making 50 different negotiations on 50 different terms. Well, and and that's why this confusion comes about. You also don't want to convey to our enemies that if you don't like what the president is saying, go behind his back and find the, the Speaker of the House. And that's exactly what the Logan Act is trying to enforce. Can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris N. Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I'm going to wrap up here with uh, just some quick summations on this Logan Act thing. Uh, so that uh, we can move on to the First Amendment issue that I wanted to talk about. But uh, what I want to make very clear here is that over the years, the only real 
the only real foothold that Congress has, that the House of Representatives has ever been able to assert was through the Commerce Clause. And as you said, JC, because this is, because by their own statements, this is not a commerce issue. This is actually a peace treaty issue. The House of Representatives has no authority, and through the Logan Act, they're actually attempting to undermine what the executive branch is already doing. Yeah, can I give my parting opinion? On sure. This? So I believe 100% wholeheartedly that we are in the midst of a coup d'etat. Yes. And so what Nancy Pelosi is signaling is that the president is no longer the president. Right. We have taken over, right. and now she is... She is uh, really, de facto president. She she is acting, in and fact, she's not, she's in fact, not she's, even second in line for Pete's right. sakes. I and, mean, where is Vice President uh, Pence in all of this? Why isn't he coming up and making some statements? Somebody right. needs to be making some statements about unlawful authority here. And I and again, this is not Trump trained stuff. This is about protecting the integrity of the Constitution and the tenor of the commission under which it is written. This, this is a coup d'etat. When another uh, functionary of the government basically stands up and begins to act as the de facto you know, head of, of somebody else's position. I mean, she is acting as a de facto president, the de facto State Department. I mean, she mm -hmm. things that have been traditionally and constitutionally done uh, by the president and the executive branch for for two centuries, she has now stepped up and, I mean, just running roughshod over the process of government under the Constitution. This is a coup d'etat, and, and people, I believe, need to start referring to it as such. We were having this discussion at lunch today. Uh, I had some. I had lunch with some ladies uh, at church, and we and I was simply telling them if if what you are watching right now was happening in some third world country, people would be using the term coup. There would exactly. be no there would be no hesitation. There would be no no reservation. You would be if this was happening in Haiti or in the Congo, you would be calling this a coup. Yeah. And I'm uh, and that's not an exaggeration or, or some hyperbole by Donald Trump. This is actually exactly what you would be seeing. And and we need to look, we gotta decide do we actually live in a constitutional republic where the constitution means something more than some document that hangs on the wall that that politicians refer to when it's convenient for them? No. Or does it actually mean something? Because right now, I I don't know how I have been trying to make this point for like two and a half weeks now. I don't know if I'm failing. I don't tell me. Leave a, a comment please and let me know if this is coming through it's not about donald trump no. but if we allow these people to abuse and usurp authority the way they are right now then you must admit you and i i mean nancy pelosi is all but is is, is literally saying the constitution does not apply i don't like the constitution we're just going to not have it anymore that's what they're saying. I wish they would come out and say that and just get it out there because that's exactly what they think. But when we accept that, when we just sit back and Twitter complain and, and Instagram complain and Facebook warrior it out and we don't demand any kind of recourse, then we admit that the Constitution is just trash and then we're lost. Yeah. Absolutely lost.
Well, Mr. I, you know, Mr. Kramer mentioned commenting on Instagram today on on one of my posts and talking about a lawful insurrection. It seems to me that insurrection has already taken place. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's being th- taken this, this taken group, place by the House of Representatives exactly. and 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 participating senators. They have risen up and essentially overthrown what was left of the constitutional mm-hmm. government. They're at, operating and have been operating ever since this president has been elected. If you think back of the whole the whole string of things that have happened, yeah. even the dubious FISA court Right. Right. Even that questionably constitutional body, they even violated its own uh, strictures, its own rules. So you had an illegal process of this witch hunt Russia investigation that turned to be turned out to be a complete fraud instigated by entities outside of the government controlling members within the government. And by the way, those members are still there. We get all wrapped up about a foreign power influencing government. What about a foreign non-governmental entity controlling these these elected members of Congress? These Jason, if you're going to keep talking, you're going to have to get on camera, dude. These... Hello. These people are guilty of treason. This is treason to me. This is a coup. They have been enacting a coup ever since this president right. was elected. They're they're engaging in treason. They're, they've used these outs, outside. We're all freaked out about Russia and, and Ukraine. They're in non-governmental entities within our own borders right. that that are that have their proxies, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, James Comey, we can go on and on, are, are proxies for non-elective, non-governmental entities whose entire purpose is to bypass our constitutional government, unseat a duly elected president. Listen, there are ways to unseat a president if you don't like it. It's called elections. You don't like him, you don't want him in there, then... Then but unelected. here's the point, JC. They this they is would, a coup, and this is treason. And I think they should be, well, in the best case scenario, they should be thrown in prison. But in most third world countries, when this kind of thing happens, the military shows up on the scene and recognize that people are overthrowing your government, and they step up to stop it. Yeah. So just my opinion. Yeah. Well, and that's that's really the problem because, like I said before, if the people don't recognize that there's a problem, then there there will be no solutions. Because once again, Nancy Pelosi and her crew are claiming that they are above the Logan Act. Well, it's vague. We can't really understand what it means. We don't know what it's about. Give me a freaking break. Come on now. Since 1799, we've known what it meant. From 1799 to today, we knew what it meant. Now all of a sudden, there's confusion. It's convenient confusion. That's all it is. It's confusion that rest is that 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 rests upon their understanding and firm belief that the American people are so wholly and completely ignorant about the Constitution and about how this works that they won't say anything. That you've got such a broad base of of political hacks and prostitutes that will just simply re you know review and repeat everything that is said without evidence without any kind of of regard for law or truth and a well and Nancy says we're we're going cuz cuz we love the country and and we're defending the constitution no i don't think so that's not what you do and you know i was telling somebody today i was telling val today remember val I was telling her today on Facebook, I said, I get so sick and tired of these political hacks 
these prostitutes like Pelosi and Schiff and all these these guys that run around going, well, it, you know, we took an oath to support him in the Constitution and the president this and the president that and the Emollients Act, right? Of all the freaking things to hang your head on, the Emollients Act. Don't come and tell me that you love the Constitution so much because you're going to try to hang the president over the Emollients Act when you don't even know what that stinking word means, what it meant when the Constitution was written, what it was even supposed to be applied, when, oh, man, J.C., Every single day, with every breath that comes out of their mouth, Republican and Democrat alike, they trample upon the rights and the liberties of the people. They use the, the Constitution like their own personal toilet paper. And we are supposed to get all worked up because they don't like somebody and they want to use the Constitution now for their purposes? I don't, so I don't know. I, this stuff really, really aggravates the mess out of me. Because there has to be a better word, JC, than, than hypocrisy for this. There has to be. It's, it's absolutely deception. repulsive. Deception is not, deception is what the magician does when he pulls a coin out of your ear. This is not deception. This is wicked. This is absolutely wicked. And I sort of that, that that sort of transitions into what I wanted to talk to you about today from a First Amendment aspect. So you have this 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 issue now where uh, Donald Trump has the media. He's working against or the media is working against him. The politicians are working through the media against him. But then you have um, oh my goodness, you have Hillary Clinton accusing what's her name Tulsi oh, Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard of being a Russian plant, a Russian agent plant. And then they go, oh, First Amendment, freedom of press, freedom of speech, right? And so somebody asked me the other day and said, well, Chris Ann, do you think that we need to review the opinion in New York Times v. Sullivan? Because New York Times v. Sullivan, I was told, creates a new standard for the for the media on freedom of press, a heightened uh, protection for the press when somebody is in the public light. But you see, I don't actually see that. Mm -hmm. I don't see a heightened standard here. And what we have to understand, number one, is the First Amendment was not written for CNN, MSNBC, and Fox News. Right? Right? And the standard of, uh, well, it says here that um, uh, the unanimous opinion was authored by Justice Brennan. The court said for the for, for, uh, held in favor for the Times, when a statement concerns a public figure, the court held it is not enough to show that it is false for the press to be liable, but instead the target of the statement must show that it was made with knowledge of or reckless disregard for its falsity, Brennan used the term actual malice to summarize this standard. Can I tell you this is the exact same standard that, that Benjamin Franklin discussed in 1792, mm -hmm. this malice standard? So I don't, and here's what I think. Malice is not, the problem is not malice as a standard. The problem is how we define malice in that standard. 
I don't think that anybody can argue that the majority of the news that comes out of the media today and out of the politician's mouth is knowingly false. But I know that we can take it one step further that is knowingly false because they intentionally want to hurt people, period. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Don't forget to get your Liberty First gear. It's a great, great gift. Get your Liberty First gear. Get your being necessary to the security of the free state. Show up at your state capitol. Get your women in courage gear. Leggings, lady. Come on. Leggings. So I want to read to you what Benjamin Franklin said. Without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech, which is the right of every man as, as far by it as he does not hurt or control the right of another. And this is the only check it ought to suffer and the only bounds it ought to know. That's what the Supreme Court said. You can't make false statements with the intent to hurt someone. And I don't think that uh, what the problem is here, JC, is not that the, that the term is malice. The problem here is that the term malice is being applied as if we don't even understand what that means. Think about that. Do you think that there is any question in anybody's mind why the media publishes fake news? No, I, I think the problem is applying it. It's the fact that... I mean, we've not only basically had a coup of our government, but these forces have infiltrated, you know, all all of these areas. Yeah, thanks to, to Thornberry and the Smith Modernization Act, yeah. your tax dollars are now being used to create false news and feed it through the newswire to your media from the government. And they've taken over the courts, yes. the intelligence apparatus, and the law enforcement apparatus. So nobody's, they, they, they're not going to apply it, apply it. So it's not a question of, you know, should we change the standard, something wrong with the standard. It's the fact that these people have taken over all the, the, the apparatus that protects these folks. And they well, we murder. can't possibly know that the media is actually acting in malice. Yeah, right. And it's not even that. It's as if the malice, they say malice is the standard, but we won't apply the malice standard to the media because they're the press. Excuse they, me, I'm the press too, and you're the press too. And the malice standard is the liberty standard. You know, MSNBC, ABC, CNN, you know, all those guys... They are the public face of the deep state. Yes. They, they are the Praetorian Guard. I mean, they protect these people. I want to talk about this thing with, with Hillary Clinton making these accusations against Tulsi Gabbard. Because here's the thing. Isn't Hillary Clinton accusing Tulsi Gabbard of treason? No. Treason is a crime. Right. It is a crime to intentionally make a false accusation of criminal activity. That is a crime. So you can add that to the endless list of crimes that are held by Hillary Clinton. Just one more on the list. 
Now, I want to think about this because I think at some point in time, we're, we're transgressing beyond slander and libel here. These are the tort claims that come for, for you know, the, the, the malice and freedom of speech and freedom of press. When we are actually hearing people creating fake media in order to undermine the president, to undermine our authority in foreign affairs, that itself is treason as well. You remember the, the, the ABC video, Syria, uh, the, the massacre in Syria, when it was actually a military uh, display, a military testing in Kentucky. The whole video was ridiculous. You could see people sitting in rows watching it. And the best that ABC could do was, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't mean to publish that with the false lie. I'm sorry. Okay, number one, they knew it was false. They had to know it was false. You can't be that negligent. You can see the people's heads watching what's going on. Number two, why would you publish it with the headline uh, that they did, right? The Syria Massacre because you're trying to make a false accusation to undermine what's going on. Wouldn't that also be a violation of the Logan Act? Well, here's the thing. When, when, the, when the organs that the people uh, construct to protect our liberties, right, no longer do that, mm -hmm. then eventually there comes a day mm -hmm. when the people realize they have to do it themselves. Yeah. So all of the media, these courts, the law enforcement agencies, they are pushing this nation toward revolution. Well, and you know, some would say that's what the Soros crew wants. That's what the warmongers want. So I'm going to try to push I you towards it. a peaceful resolution. We need to really get involved. We need to get our governments swung back to the Liberty perspective. Go to libertyfirstuniversity.com, get educated. It's really not as hard as the deceivers want you to believe. God bless you guys. We'll see you again next time.